Hey, hello everyone. This is David opposing the Matrix. It's the 6th of February 2020 and it's approximately quarter to 12 in the evening. Um, I don't know what, about these uh, late night shows, but uh, every once in a while I get a bug to uh, get on and talk about something and, and I'm going to do this from time to time uh, late night. Um, I feel it's my duty and uh, I, I do not expect Jim and Eric to be up. I always see it's uh, quarter to three where Jim is and quarter to two where Eric is in the morning. And, um, you know, I'm getting to the point where when I, uh, the age of where I, when I get something in my head, I got to get it out or write it down or else I forget it. So while I'm up and, and fairly lucid, I am going to uh, to do this. So uh, I may pause this to go in and get a cup of coffee real quick. But uh, if I do that, I'll let you know, and then I'll be right back. I think I can pause this thing. I'm not sure. So maybe I'll check it out now just to make sure. Nope. Doesn't work. So I'm going to have to do this without caffeine. This is going to be interesting. Okay. Um, this year has been a very interesting year weather-wise in Oregon. <clears throat> I moved up here in 2012, and when I moved up here, I was told that it snowed a lot more up here in earlier years than it does now, or then, I should say, 2012. And, um, 2012 was a, rel a relatively light year when snow came, or snow was concerned, but, uh, the following years we had, uh, well you got to understand the geopolitical atmosphere around here, but we had, we had snow, but, uh, not nothing like I experienced back in New Jersey or North Carolina when I lived there. Um, Oregon, uh, really freaks out when it snows and, uh, uh, you wouldn't believe it. Well, anyway, um, we have a lot of, uh, hippie hip, hippies here, a lot of, uh, environmentalists, a lot of, um, liberals, leftists, whatever term you want to use. And and uh, you got to understand that everywhere else I lived, back in New Jersey, North Carolina, when the roads got really bad, they salted them. Okay, salt melts ice really, really good. Um, if you haven't tried it and you live in an ice-prone area, I don't know why you wouldn't have tried it, but uh, even if it's table salt, um, if you have a stair you know a couple or three stairs that get real icy or your front porch or something like that go sprinkle some salt on it within 20 minutes that ice is melted or it's turned to slush and you're able to walk in it um the powers that be back in the east coast and stuff they do that uh, on the roads the minute it starts snowing they're out there with the salt salt in the roads now you know you can use the argument uh, that a lot of the uh one of the arguments that people out here use, well, it rots your car out. Well, yeah, it does, but uh, they make something called a car wash that you can go to. And, you know, after, after uh, you know, two or three days and the snow finally melts, you go to the car wash and you go to one that's got, like, they do the, they do the underneath of the car, you know, and, and it washes all that salt out. Um, and, and there's no problems and your car doesn't rust or rot away. Um I, I often find it quite humorous how people that live by the beach will complain about the salting the roads, but the salt wreaks havoc on their cars anyway. Um, having lived at the Jersey Shore for a while, I noticed that the, the chrome on the cars would start pitting, and that was from the salt in the air. Okay, 
And that's just the salt in the air. Um, you know, not taking into account salt on the road during during the, the wintertime. But anyway, um, another reason that they don't use it here is because it supposedly damages the wildlife, the rivers. It, it gets into the rivers and hurts the fish and other animals that are... Uh, <clears throat> You know, the, the Bible talks about people that work, worship the creator, the creation rather than the creator. And that's what that's all about. But anyway, um, what they don't mention to people that like to have other people think for them is that uh, every time it rains, there, there are salts and minerals in the soil. And that salt is leached into the rivers and ponds and lakes and everything else. Um, here's a here's a. Um, little educational fact the reason that the oceans are salty is because the salt has washed from the land leached from the land into the rivers and flown to, and, and flow to the seas okay <laughs> that's why the oceans are salty okay um, so it's been happen happening for thousands of years and uh, it's going to continue to happen no matter how much the state of Oregon says that the salt is bad for the fish in the rivers um, so anyway, uh, they don't salt the roads out here and, and for a number of years now they haven't. And, um, it basically paralyzes the state. You can't go anywhere because yes, it does start to melt during the day, but at night when it gets back down in the twenties, it freezes again. Hence you need more salt or salt to begin with. Anyway, um, where am I going with this? Okay. So. For the past few years, you know, we've had some pretty bad winters and, you know, a lot of people miss work because of it. If you commute more more than five miles, you usually don't go to work during these times. Oh, my goodness, all the schools close. Um, it really had so bad for the schools to close back in New Jersey. Um, but here, you know, you just a few flakes on the ground and all of a sudden the flakes are closing the school. Yes, and they do mean snowflakes, um, human snowflakes. Um, so anyway. Uh, this year has been a very unusual year in Oregon. Um, I live in the um, in or around the Willamette Valley, and that's in western Oregon. Yes, I am a, um, a conservative that lives in western Oregon, and it's getting increasingly hard to do this. But uh, we uh, we continue to march on, hopefully, hoping that someday people come to their senses. Uh, we we you know could very easily move to eastern Oregon, I guess. I could find work there, but uh, that's a very conservative part of the state. Anyway, uh, getting back to the weather, um, we've had a very mild winter. Uh, there's been many days, uh, December, January, and now even in February, where it's been in 50 degrees during the day and only go down into the high 40s at night, sometimes staying in the 50s all day and all night. Very unusual for Oregon, okay? Um, so... It starts, it starts to make you wonder what's going on. What in the world is happening? Why is this happening? Well, they mentioned something the other day. Uh, let's see if I can find it. And I didn't, yeah, I didn't close it off. Okay. Um, there's something out there that they're calling the mystery blob. And it's not something, a Steve McQueen movie from the 1950s, or I think they did a remake of it back in the 90s or the early 2000s. And those things never turn out good. The originals originals are always the best. But anyway, 
Uh, there's this, uh, and I'm going to read to you now. I'm reading to you from Oregon Public Broadcasting, and I never thought I would see the day when I would, you know, be quoting, reading anything from Oregon Public Broadcasting because it's PBS and it's basically liberal trash. But this this article seems to have uh, some kind of merit to it, which in itself is strange. It's almost as strange as 50-degree weather in January in uh, Oregon. Um, it says, since the fall of 2013, an unusually warm patch of water has been noticed in the Pacific Ocean. Scientists have taken to calling the, the anomaly the blob. And they have, they have a lot of questions about what is causing it and what effect it's having on our region. So far, a lot of these questions haven't been conclusively answered, but new efforts by the state of uh, Oregon State University, Go Beavs, and the Oregon Climate Change Research Institute hopes to nail down more information. Here are seven interesting things that we learned about the blob from Phil Mote, director of the Oregon Climate Change Research Institute, uh, when he joined Dave Miller uh, on Think Out Loud. Uh, number one, the blob is about the size of the state of Alaska and about 100 meters deep. Uh, that translates out to about 300 feet, about the size of a football, but depth in, in water. Uh, the water is in the blob is about five degrees Fahrenheit warmer than historical averages. Number three, scientists theorize that a part of what's causing the blob is a ridge of high pressure in the atmosphere. That pressure is suppressing cloud formation and slowing winds, which causes the water in the blob to absorb more heat from the sun. Uh, the blob appears, number four, to have some effect on marine life. Warm water creatures like skipjack tuna and thresher sharks have been appearing typically in typically colder zones near British Columbia and, and Alaska. Thresher sharks in Alaska, that's interesting. Uh, they're usually a tropical uh, shark. Uh, number five, the blob may also be affecting the climate in the land in the northwest, making things warmer and drier than usual. This is one of the questions that Moat is trying to answer. Number six, scientists typically rely on controls to run experiments, but there are no spare earths to use as, con as a control. Instead, Moat's team will be using computers to create alternative earths to stimulate or simulate different uh, climate environments. Number seven, researchers cannot afford a supercomputer to run the simulations thousands of times, so they were relying on volunteers to donate their computer's processing power. They will use software that is able to crunch the data on, on volunteers' computers while they're not in use. You can donate your computer's power or just follow along at their website. Yeah, like I'm going to do that. Um, anyway, there was another uh, article in the Daily Mail. It's a British newspaper. And uh, it says, Mystery Blob in the Pacific Ocean. Strange patch of warm uh, water could be causing California's mega drought. And I want to get into that a little farther because I've had this theory for a while and um, and I'm going to share it with you in a few minutes. Um, it says a blob of warm water 2,000 miles across is sitting in the Pacific Ocean. It's been present since 2013 and causing fish to seek shelter elsewhere. University of Washington study says it could be responsible for droughts, but it's not clear where the blob has come from or how long it will stay. Um, I think in uh, the movie they they froze it with uh, oh what was that um, oh the canisters for putting out fire used to be CO2 and they they froze it and then moved it up to Alaska um, but that's a different kind of blob sorry 
But I'm a science fiction aficionado, a fan and a freak, I guess you could call me. Science, science fiction freak. And every time I see the word blob, I think of the movie with Steve McQueen. Um, okay. Um, and it goes uh, again to talk about a mysterious blob of water off the West Coast. Could explain like states like California experiencing their worst drought ever. While the East is battered by freezing weather. Now, remember this article came out in 2013. I think the drought is over in California. But that could be because of the blob, too. Uh, the blob um, in the ocean was discovered last year, which would have been about 2012 or 2013, according to this article, with temperatures 1 to 4 degrees Celsius. That's 2 to 7 degrees Fahrenheit above surrounding normal water. And the blob has now extended about 1,000 miles or 1,600 kilometers offshore from Mexico up to Alaska and could herald a warm, warmer summer for some reasons, regions. Uh, that did not happen here. We had a cool summer, so, um, and we have for the last couple of years, actually. So that's kind of um, uh, an idiosyncrasy. Um, it says, a new study by the University of Washington found that a high-pressure ridge could be causing a blob, like we heard before, trapping heat in the water. Um, in June last year, a huge patch of water stretched 1,000 miles in each direction. It was 300 uh, feet or 90 meters deep. Blah, blah, blah. Um, let's see. It says, in the fall of 2013, early 2014, we started to notice a big, almost circular mass of water. It just didn't cool off as much as it usually did. So by spring of 2014, it was warmer than we had ever seen it for that time of year, said Dr. Bond. Um, it says uh, researchers said it may have contributed to what the state of Washington's mild 2014 winter and might signal a warmer summer. Um, going down the article, um, it says the researcher said that it might not only be causing warmer temperatures on the West Coast, but also cooler temperatures on the East Coast. So I apologize in advance to my relatives on the East Coast. Sorry that our blob is causing you angst. It could also be uh, playing a part in circulating cold and wet air um, to the central and eastern United States. Now, uh, last month, uh, my wife and I paid a visit to uh, Florida to visit my mother, uh, who had told us that the uh, the winters there had been cooler than normal, uh, or this winter at least, and that uh, they had been enjoying that because if you've ever been to Florida, it's like hell with humidity. Um now, I've never been to hell, but they say it's hot and just throw in the humidity and, and you uh, wish that you'd never gone to Florida. Anyway, if you live in Florida, I apologize profusely, but you know what I'm talking about. You know it's true. Anyway, there's a map on here and it's showing an area of warm water that does uh, kind of extend from Baja, Mexico, all the way up. Uh, it kind of gives California a little bit of a break, but by Oregon and Washington, it's, it starts to get red again, which means warmth because I guess this is an infrared uh, map. And it's really dark up in the Bering Sea, um, which is real interesting. I've heard reports uh, that uh, sometimes the uh, temperatures in Oregon are colder than up in uh, Alaska, uh, which really gives me a yen to, to go to Alaska. But anyway, uh, so the, the weather's getting cooler down in Florida. Interesting, right? That's the south. Okay, now... Um, a few years ago, we had a series of earthquakes. Uh, one was in Japan, one was in Indonesia, one was in um, 
New Zealand. Another one was in, uh, I think it was Chile or Peru. I can't remember. Um, but the scientists all said that during those earthquakes, first of all, the earth rang like a bell. And if you're, if you're, uh, believe in a hollow earth, that, uh, has some pr profound implications. But, um, they also said that uh, during that time that uh, each one of those earthquakes had slowed the Earth's orbit and had changed the Earth on its axis. Interesting. I find that very interesting. And when scientists are saying it, of course, it's got to be true, right? And if it's on the Internet, it's even got to be truer. Um, so anyway, uh, there's a, an interesting little uh, YouTube video. Um uh, that I'm going to play and I'm going to turn this, if I can, turn the sound way down on this so that it doesn't play and I can just read off of it because the words that are on it are, are very ex explanatory of what's going on. And I know I've done shows about this before where I've talked about this, so a lot of this stuff is going to be hashing things over again, but I still think it's important. Um, I've, I noticed a few years ago, uh, before we get started with this, that um, we moved into a house, uh, our present house, and uh, our, uh, the front of our house faces due north. Now, anybody can tell you if they've been alive for 30 or 40, I've been alive for 61 years, that houses that face north usually don't get sun in the window. Um in many areas, well, in Oregon, moss grows everywhere, north, south, east, and west on a tree. <laughs> it even hangs off the tree. Um, but uh, in places like uh, back east and other places where there are forests, the moss usually gro grows on the north side of a tree because that side doesn't get any light, okay? I mean, it's, it's elementary, Watson. Um, but uh, I've noticed that we've been getting sunshine in our front windows a lot the last three or four years. And maybe even longer, I don't know. Um, but that's when I started to notice it. I also started noticing that in the wintertime, the sun seems a lot farther south than it used to be, um, which would indicate that there's an, there was a shift in the Earth's axis. Now, um, to, to further prove this, um, there is a, um, there's a video, and, and I could give you the link, except that, you know, you probably don't have a pen. But all you got to do is, I, what did I search for? Um, Earth axis changes, and and this video came up, and the video is titled "Earth axis has shifted and the sky has changed." Okay, so there may be some dead air uh, between uh, when the slide, slides are changing. Excuse me, um, little gastrointestinal thing going on here. Um, so it starts up by saying the sky changed. The sky changed. Earth axis has shifted. Okay, and it's a really beautiful video. It really is. Um, and now it's going to talk about uh, the Inuits or indigenous people that it, uh, inhabit the Arctic regions of Canada, the United States, and Greenland. Okay, and it has a nice picture of an Inuit uh, with his dogs, and it shows a map. Uh, uh, the green areas uh, in Alaska, North Alaska. Anyway, uh, and it shows another picture of the Inuits with uh, canoes. It says, throughout history and their very lives have been dependent on being able to correctly forecast weather. Okay. And the, 
They are warning NASA and the world that global warming isn't the cause of what we are seeing with extreme weather, earthquakes, and other events. Okay, now it shifts to a picture of the Earth. The Earth has shifted, tilted, or as they put it, wobbled to the north, and they all agree. Remember that, it's wobbled to the north. Their sky has changed. Their sky has changed. The elders maintain the sun does not rise where it used to. They have uh, longer days to hunt. The sun is higher than it used to be, and it warms up quicker than before. Okay. The elders who were interviewed across the north all said the same thing. Their sky has changed. And there's a lot more to this I might elaborate on because I don't think it talks about it. It says the stars and the sun and the moon have all changed and affected the temperature. Beautiful videos. Okay, even affecting the way the wind blows, it is becoming increasingly hard to predict the weather. Remember, these people live by the weather. And they hunt by the weather. Something that is a must for the Arctic, it says. Let me, uh, let me put this on. Because um, I don't think it talks about this, but I've, I've seen videos similar to this. They, they also said that the sun rises, uh, like I said, in a, in a different place, but it also rises three days early. I don't think that's in this video. And um, they also said that uh, the wind patterns have changed. Uh, the Inuits used to use um, the way that the wind blew the drifts uh, as directional. Um, maybe you would put it... Uh, directional beacons or landmarks is a better word probably to get to and fro uh, they know that the wind always came from a certain direction so the way that the wind blows snow drifts means that one part's east and one, one side's east and one side's west and or north and south as the case may be so anyway i'll continue here it says the elders all agree they believe the earth has shifted, wobbled, or tilted to the north. Remember that again, tilted to the north, because I'm going to introduce something that you might not have heard before um, when this video is over. Uh, the change in the tilt of the earth is real. And again, I said this is a beautiful photography. Northeast, uh, northeast is being pounded with historic levels of, of snow hurricanes. Unusually severe weather changes. The changes of planetary position are seriously, I'm going to pause this here so it doesn't change, are seriously screwing up the weather patterns, which will become more and more unpredictable uh, with historic levels of increasing precipitation and snow, blizzards, and floods. Well, I would have had a chance to read it all without pausing it. But anyway, okay. The heating from uh, the increased axis tilt has sped up the process many times higher than we experienced prior to 2004. And that's about the time those earthquakes happened. The added heating of the oceans and the polar regions is in, in close proximity to the glacial ice is creating huge storms. Remember, Greenland's melting. 
The magnetic fields have altered our tilt, and our tilt has changed our global perspective to the sun's gravitational field. The aurora is moving farther south, sometimes see from Oregon. Uh, the gravitational fields are causing the spinning effect of storms. I got a feeling that's going to continue here. Creating snow hurricanes and land hurricanes. You ever notice that they started naming storms that are forming over the land now? Hmm, interesting. There will probably be more bad weather over the next month. Remember, this is from back in 2015, actually. Possibly into March and early April as well. The sun, let me pause this, it's long. The sun is now about 2,000 miles too far north in the summer, shining in our northern windows. Wow, that's what I said. And too far south in the winter, shining in their, in their southern facing windows at sunrise and sunset. Okay, I've noticed that here in Oregon at 45 degrees north latitude. Okay, what else are you going to tell us? The sun, which should never be farther north than the Tropic of Cancer in mid-Mexico mid and farther south than the Tropic of Capricorn in mid-Australia, is now... Oh, let me go back. Why this thing changes? Okay. Let me start again. The sun, which should never be farther north than the Tropic of Cancer in mid-Mexico or farther south than the Tropic of Capricorn in mid-Australia, is now significantly beyond those points. And remember, that's 23.5 degrees in either direction of the equator. I do have a little bit of intelligence to share. Uh, the orbit around the sun had possibly altered the direction of the angle. Hmm, interesting. Okay, observations and measurements of the abnormal position of the sun due to a significant shift in our axis in December of 2004 is now verified. However, it has also significantly shifted again in the past year for the first time since 2004. Remember the age of this video, folks, 2015, okay? Five years ago, almost exactly. You can measure it for yourself when you see the sun position is too far north of your home in June, Northern Hemisphere, especially June 21st, which is the solstice. Oh, and I don't know if you've noticed this <laughs> before I continue reading. Um, my wife and I were, were talking about this, as have other people. It seems like all of a sudden this year, um, uh, you know how the... As, as the months go on, it, it gets darker sooner in, in the evening. Well, we've noticed, we noticed that for some reason it seemed to get darker a lot earlier than it usually used to do. And I think that has a lot to do with that. And uh, now it's, uh, it's just the beginning of February and it's starting to get light out past 5 o'clock uh in the afternoon it's uh, i mean it continue to be light out past five o'clock in the afternoon as a matter of fact i think it finally gets dark around six o'clock and it's only february 2nd uh so anyway uh the, the video continues when it should never be north of the tropic of cancer or too far south in the winter talking about the sun 
Okay, let's see what it says next. Many people are not aware of the situation. A lot of people think that there's something weird, but they just can't figure it out. Love this video because it goes to the east over the east coast to set a, a view from the something. Uh, you can check out the sun's position and verify the uh, verify the weather changes. And I think it's just about over. Stay up to date, it says. So that's a good exhortation. We should stay up to date. We should be observing and seeing what's going on. Um, No, I forgot what I was going to talk about. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, that's what I was going to talk about. Um, I noticed a while back, uh, especially living up here in Oregon, that the summers are getting a little warmer. Uh, the winters are getting a little warmer. And I noticed down in California that there's more droughts. It's getting drier down there. And uh, in Washington State, uh, it doesn't rain as much as it used to, if you look at the weather reports. Now, remember when the video said that the sun has moved farther north? Well, if the sun has moved farther north, the weather's going to move farther north, right? Hence, the weather that was once in California was probably, is probably going to start being here in Oregon. Uh, California will probably be more like northern Mexico. Um, it's always been dry there, but they've had a lot more droughts uh, over the last 20 or 30 years. And, um, and it seems to be getting worse. Uh, they're getting less and less rain down in California, and uh, it's uh, it's starting to get troublesome down there. Uh, they have a lot of people down there, and a lot of people need to drink a lot of water, and it's not there. Um, and it's going to become less and less. Uh, but the... Um, we're a little, we're a lot drier here. Um, I, I've heard, you know, we live in a farming community, so I get a chance to talk to farmers that have been here and doing farming all their lives. And these farmers talk about, uh, even during the summer, how there would be kind of a mist in the air and it would be a lot wetter. It would rain more during the summer. Um, and it was cloudier more during the summer. If you've ever seen, you, you've probably heard stories about Oregon, how it rains all the time, and it still does, but it used to rain a lot more here, according to the farmers. And they've had to adapt, too. I'm noticing that uh, instead of planting grass, uh, which they were planting here for hay, they're, they're planting nut trees, kind of like they did down in California. If you ever lived in Northern California, you, there, there, was, there was orchards everywhere, uh, all kinds of nuts. Uh, um, uh, walnuts, almonds, pecans, and now they're starting to plant like filbert nuts up here. And I'm assuming that, you know, in, a, in the years to come that it's going to change the walnuts and pecans just because California does that now and, and the weather pattern is changing. Um, and hence, I think uh, uh, Washington will become more like Oregon was. Yes, it's going to rain a lot, but not as much. Um, last year, um, it quit raining probably in um, uh, late April, and uh, we had a pretty dry summer up here. Rained a couple times, but uh, pretty dry summer, uh, and it was more akin to weather in uh, Northern California in the Sacramento area than it, it was to what Oregon used to be. So my theory is that uh, the Earth has tilted on its axis. It has moved north, thus we're getting more sunlight. 
during the summer. My goodness, you know, and I, I know that we live at 45 degrees north, so the days are going to be longer. But, you know, the sun's been setting like it after nine, it seems like, and it's been staying dark. And even at 1130 and quarter to 12, there's a still a glow in the, uh, the northwest sky. You know, it's it's totally bizarre. And um, so th- things have been changing, and I think that things are going to continue to change. I I don't – well, let's look at it this way, too. Um, if, if it's getting warmer and the axis has shifted to the north, um, you know, we're hearing all these stories about, oh, the polar ice is melting in the North Pole, and it, the, pole, the poor polar bears, well, they're going to learn to adapt. All animals learn to adapt. Um, they'll probably start eating salmon out of the rivers like the grizzlies do. Um, but anyway, um, so if the ice is melting in the north, and we're hearing all this, and this is the harbinger of global warming, oh, yes, the Earth's going into a cycle of global warming, and it's caused by man. And uh, you don't even want to get me started on the the uh, global warming thing. Um, but uh, hence, uh, if it's getting warmer in the in North Pole, it should be getting colder in the South Pole, wouldn't you think? Um, and they're recording record ice in Antarctica. I think this last year, um, of course, it's summer down there now, but uh, last winter down there, uh, the ice has reached farther than the sea ice has reached farther than it ever has in recorded memory. Okay, so what's going on? It's getting colder in the south and it's getting warmer in the north. Hence, the the axis has shifted to the north. Now, of course, you know, one could argue that, you know, when the sun's on, when the earth's on the other side of the sun, that the uh, the south pole is going to be uh, hotter. And yeah, it could, you know, I, I don't discount that. But for some reason, the ice is growing uh, more in the south. But at the same time, on, on the island, or the island, the land of Antarctica, the ice seems to be melting, um, revealing a whole bunch of interesting stuff down there that we won't even get into, pyramids and, and everything else. Um but um, my main focus here is to say, no, it's it's not global warming because of the, the emissions of man into the atmosphere. Um, it's global warming because the earth is shifting on its axis and causing all kinds of havoc. And you know what I, I found really interesting is they were talking about land hurricanes. Up until about two or three years ago, when there was a storm that, that you know, came from the northwest and you know went to the east or southeast they never named these storms but now in the summertime they're naming storms uh which you know lends credence to the the term land hurricane you know um that being a very low pressure system that's uh, very powerful not you know it's impossible to have a hurricane over land because there's no water to heat it up but still uh there's an atmosphere to heat it up and um but naming them? Come on, man. Naming storms on land? That's all of the signs of a hurricane. And if they're calling them land hurricanes, well, I guess that's what they are. But um, so anyway, uh, getting colder in Florida, getting warmer in the northwest tells me that the earth has shifted. And you can argue with me if you want. That's okay. That's your right to do that. But um, when you see the weather patterns changing, um it's it's uh, quite suspect. Now you know you got guys like Jim and Eric that live in the um, 
Well, Eric lives in the Midwest, in South Dakota. Jim lives in Michigan. And they're talking about uh, more severe winters there. Well, that would that make sense maybe if uh, the earth has shifted in favor of Oregon and not in favor of um, Michigan or South Dakota. But again, if the blob is really a blob and it's off the, uh, the coast of the Pacific, um, then it would naturally send colder air into that area um, because the blob would... Um, you got to understand that if there's a lot of warm water out there, that warm water rises. And so what it does is it causes higher pressures. And since it causes higher pressures, it causes the jet stream to move farther north. And if the jet stream moves farther north, after it gets past the blob, it's going to make a direct move south. And it's going to go through the Midwest and the, and the, um, and the Plain States, which is where those two fellows live. So it's, it's starting to make a lot of sense, this blob thing. And, um, back in the, um, I lived in California back in, uh, I'm trying to think of the year. Oh, yeah, it was like 95 and 96. Uh, we had gone through about a 10-year drought. Oh, it was terrible. Um, you know, the lakes were almost empty. There was one lake uh, close to where I lived where you could actually see the old town that was underneath the lake. And this lake was in some places, you know, two, 300 feet deep. Um so it was quite a severe drought and all of a sudden i think it was the, the winter of 95 96 uh el nino we had an el nino which is basically a blob off the coast and it rained so much in the winter that it filled up all the lakes that had taken 10 years to, to deplete through the drought um i mean i mean I, I remember driving down country roads and on each side of the country road it was water as far as you could see that's you know it looked like a giant lake or like i was wa driving on a causeway through louisiana or something um it was it was pretty severe so um and these things have been going on for a long time folks this is not global warming the earth um scripture talks about the, the earth wobbling like a drunkard and uh, it seems to point out that it's going to do that in the last days and um, I don't know if you've ever seen a drunkard walking down the street, but, you know, they go from left to right, um, back and forth and everything else. So uh, we're in for some interesting times. And to have uh, the scientists or, um, from what I understand, a minority of scientists trying to blame this on emissions of mankind um, is ridiculous. Now, um, what this is causing politically is um, a reaction to where the... Uh, the elites and uh, some world government uh, officials want to pronounce that uh, that there's a crisis. There's a global, uh, they call it climate change, but they're still calling it a global warming crisis. Um, and that what they, what they want to do is, and Trump's got us out of it, thank God, but they wanted to really sock it to us because, you know, we drive the most cars and everything in this country. Um, maybe they drive more cars in China and maybe in India. Uh, but I don't think so. And uh, trying to blame it on that and burning coal to, to produce power and things like that. We we have become one of the cleanest countries when it comes to uh, air emissions. And uh, the air um, is probably cleaner than it was back in the 40s um, here in the United States. Now, Oregon, you know, we, we produce very little. I mean, we have a very small population here. We produce very little um emissions uh we don't even have any cold fire power plants here i don't think 
think everything here is about hydroelectric and things like that. But um, anyway, uh, we've got this retarded governor. Um, she's she's a liberal. She's a leftist, a communist, a socialist, uh, all the all the above. And uh, they got this thing now that they want to pass through called cap and trade. And cap and trade is based on um, the false assumption that Oregon produces a lot of uh, emissions, carbon emissions, and this has to stop. This has to get us in line with, uh, um, oh, what was it, Agenda 2021 or Agenda 2020 and then, uh, or Agenda 2030. There's there's some speculation that they realized 2020 wasn't going to happen, so they, re they backed it up 10 years. But anyway, um, this is a worldwide effort, and Trump got us out of that treaty, um, thank God, because um, when you realize it, um, and, you, and you do any kind of research, you realize that countries like India and China uh, are gross polluters compared to us, and uh, they were basically exempt from everything. And, and, and really what, what it was was to um, ruin this country. Uh, to bring us down as a superpower and to tax us to death to pay for the sins of others all around the world. Um, now, we've got this governor in the state, uh, Kate Brown, who happens to be a, a younger sister of Jerry Brown, who ruined California. Um, she has this thing that she wants to pass called cap and trade. And what cap and trade is basically going to do is um, destroy the state. And the ideals of uh, cap and trade are, um, well, here's some of the things uh, that I understand. Um, if you have any vehicle that that's 2006 or older, you're going to have to get rid of that. You're going to have to trade it in and buy a newer car. Okay. Well, a lot of people can't afford to do that. And so a lot of people are going to be carless and you know it's it's an effort to move people out of the urban areas or out of the rural areas and into urban areas cities you know and if you've ever seen portland or eugene you do not want to move to those places anyway um another thing is that this affects all the farmers and a lot of farmers you know are barely making it uh, by the skin of their teeth they uh a lot of the farm equipment they have, they just, uh, they don't buy new equipment a lot of times. They just fix what's there, you know. So a lot of that stuff's older than 2006, and they'd have to sell their farm equipment and uh, and buy new equipment. And, you know, when you're, you're talking about a big combine, you're not talking about five or $6,000. You're talking about a quarter of a million dollars in many cases. And what farmer can afford that? So it would basically put the, the farm industry out of business. It would put the logging industry out of business, which is a major industry here. Oh, and a lot of you are probably going, oh, but they're cutting down all the trees. Well, remember that every time you use toilet paper, okay? Um, but anyway, uh, you don't realize that uh, Oregon has uh, strict rules that uh, when, they, when they clear cut an area, they plant new trees right away. Yes, it takes those trees maybe 10, 15 years till they're, you know, decent size and they look like trees again on the hillside. But still the effort is made to to replant what was cut down. Um, and it's a fact that there's more trees in the United States now than there was when the country was first implemented or first formed back in the 1700s, late 1700s. Um, so, you know, all the people that are complaining about the carbon emissions, do you realize that trees uh, breathe in carbon and breathe out oxygen? Um, yeah, you want to get rid of the carbon emissions, you might be killing the trees at the same time, you know? 
let's think about these things before we start getting reactionary. Well, anyway, um, I found it quite amusing because, um, and I'm going to get into a little bit of politics, I guess, but um, last year, the governor wanted to sign this cap and trade thing in, and she wanted the state legislature to pass it. Well, there's, there's of course, in this in this sanctuary, libtard uh, utopia that we live in here in Oregon, um, East, Western Oregon, that is. Eastern Oregon has very little say because there's two cities in Oregon that basically uh, control the whole state. And if you don't believe in electoral college, then you need to move here and see what it's like if you're... Uh, if you care anything about uh, your your voice being heard, it's not heard here. Um, but anyway, she wanted to pass this cap and trade, and so what they needed in the in the state legislature was a quorum. Well, they would not have that quorum if the uh, Republican senators and or representatives weren't there. So um, two things happened: uh, a lot of uh, farmers and truckers all got together and drove up to Salem. And circled the Capitol building for a day or two, and all the Republican uh, uh, legislatures legislators uh, fled the state and went to Idaho. Therefore, they could not have their quorum, and they could not pass cap and trade. Um, and Oregonians just want a chance to vote on this because you know you got two cities that are dictating everything, and even the cities would uh, would not fare well with this cap and trade thing. Um, even though it's being done because of the cities. Um, but uh, so uh, what a mess it was. You know, the, the governor, you know, had the state police try to round up these senators and force them to, uh, to go back to the senators. I mean, representatives and force them to go back to the legislature so that they, they had to have a quorum, you know. And uh, legislatures, the legislators were in uh, Idaho and, and – uh, the Idaho police called the Oregon State Police and said, uh, you will be out of your jurisdiction if you cross the state line, so don't even think about it. Um, or uh, Idaho is quite a conservative state, thank you, Lord. Um, so anyway, they stayed away until the bill could not be voted on, and, uh, and it failed. And the whole time, you know, we're trying to get the governor to uh, let the people vote on it. Well, that doesn't work in Oregon when the people vote on something. Uh, the governor gets out her pen and writes an executive order, or the legislature just writes a law that overrides the rule of the people. Um, this this state is highly communistic and uh, in nature, uh, where the the government is uh, concerned, and um, hopefully we'll be able to change that because I think that people, uh, many Democrats that I've talked to in this state, have decided to switch, and uh, they swear they're going to vote for Trump. So um, hopefully from, from their mouths to God ears, God's ears, everybody's going to do that. Uh, if, if they were in Oregon, it's because uh, the illegal aliens vote or, or dead people have been voting again. Um, but another interesting thing that they, they've kind of shot themselves in the foot here is that they've made it so that uh, this state does not, um, um, the electoral college in the state has basically been abolished and that the the electors uh those in the college uh they've passed the law now that will have to um go with the popular vote if a, if a person wins the popular vote but not the electoral vote that person that won by the popular vote will win well um it's it's quite evident that trump is going to win the popular vote this uh coming november and uh so these uh, legislatures legislators have uh, shot themselves in the foot yet again 
Um, just uh, to reiterate what Michael Savage says, that liberalism is a mental disorder. It always has been and it always will be. And uh, it's, it's kind of fun to watch uh, stupid people uh, shoot themselves in the foot. But anyway, um, I don't want to get off any more on politics. Uh, I just wanted to explain what's going on here in Oregon and might be going on in your state too or may in the future. So, uh, you know, I really, you know, I believe I live in the kingdom of God and I love the kingdom of God and that's my kingdom, but I have to live in this country. Um, so while I'm here, I would, I would rather have things go more, um, in a common sense and godly fashion than in uh, a liberal and insane fashion, a satanic fashion. Um, so I, you know, I tend to vote conservative, um, but you know that to each his own. And uh, if if you vote the wrong way, then you're going to pay one way or another, and it's usually going to be in your pocketbook or or in a FEMA camp or something like that. Um, but um, anyway, uh, the purpose was to prove that the the Earth has shifted. I think I've done that. Um, it was to prove that the weather patterns are changing, not because of global warming, because of emissions from man's machines but because of an earth shift and, um, and weather changes in regard to that. So, um, wow, it's been almost 50 minutes I've been going here. So I'm going to go ahead and sign off. I just wanted to make this an extra little blurb. Um, we'll be back on the air on Monday night. Um, thanks to everybody who, um, was very forgiving. And, um, last Monday we, uh, experienced some, uh, serious technical difficulties that didn't get started until about quarter to seven. We usually start at 6.30 uh, Pacific time, got started at quarter to seven, and we might have lost some of our listeners uh, because of that, hopefully only for that day. But um, feel free to come back on Monday nights at 6.30. Um, we have yet to decide a topic for this Monday night, but sometimes those are the best shows that we ever have. So um, anyway, uh Hope to see you or hope that you're there. We'll be able to see you. Hope you're there on Monday night to uh, to hear what we have to talk about. It'll, it's always interesting. It turns out uh, uh, when we don't have anything, like I said, it's sometimes when we have the best shows. So thanks for, for putting up with me for the last 50 minutes. Thanks for listening to me and uh, the ideas that I proposed. And uh, if you have any um, comments or questions, you know, you can always... Uh, well, there's so many outlets, but um, there's there's a link on the Spreaker page uh, to where you could write to write to us and uh, near your views. And there's also a uh, if you go to Delusion Resistance, where this file will be archived. Also, um, in addition to being on Spreaker, um, you'll find uh, contact sources there too. So, in behalf of the Posing the Matrix radio show. I want to say good night. I want to say God bless. Adios, mi amigos. And, uh, well, just live for the Lord because he's coming back soon. Good night, y'all. <laughs>